welcome to the Urgent Care Leadership Podcast. I'm Llewellyn Horwitz. As CEO of the Urgent Care Association, and after working in the industry for over 15 years, I've met a lot of urgent care leaders in every role and at every level. These are the people taking the risk of being a little ahead of everyone else. And though we all spend a lot of time talking about the business of urgent care or urgent care medicine, we don't talk a lot about urgent care leadership. So as you've probably guessed, that's what this podcast is all about. I'm really glad you're here, so let's get into it. In this episode, I get to talk with a leader who has a unique vantage point on everything that's happened in urgent care over the last year. His perspective sheds some light on all that we've accomplished as an industry, why some groups did well while others struggled, and how we can apply the lessons we've learned to what's coming next. Sean Ginter is the president and CEO of Urgent Care Centers of New England, an urgent care development and management company perhaps best known for its largest entity, CareWell Urgent Care. CareWell has 17 locations in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Sean is also the president of the board of directors at the Urgent Care Association, on the board of the Northeast Regional Urgent Care Association, as well as the Urgent Care Association Political Action Committee. Sean, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I think it's safe to say that with your perspective from being at the national, regional, state, plus the local levels, you have had an unparalleled view of how urgent care has weathered the last year from high up as well as up close. So as you look back on the last 12 months, what really stands out to you? Where have you seen urgent care excel? Well, the last 12 months has been very interesting for all of us. And I think urgent care has really stepped up and excelled in its ability to be nimble and to react to the changing landscape in healthcare that none of us expected. You've seen urgent cares jump into and create telehealth networks and programs that just never existed before, some of them doing it within days, getting involved with and jumping into COVID testing, which didn't exist before, working closely with state and local entities to provide testing to communities, employers, uh, et cetera. Immunizations. Today, we're seeing many organizations jumping in, really trying to be part of that immunization solution across the country. So I think being nimble, being bold, um, and having the ability to move quickly is really an area where urgent care stepped up and has has really shined in the last uh, few months. When you look at the challenges that we faced over that time as well, it wasn't easy for us to do that either. You know, I think from the outside, it probably looks like it was because urgent care is used to walk-ins and we're, um, you know, kind of set up for that. But there were plenty of challenges along the way that I think it is important to call out that all urgent cares face. We started with visit volumes plummeting at the very beginning with state closures and and stay-at-home orders. And then that led to staff layoffs. And then very quickly, volumes came back again. And then we had staff shortages and there were unintended consequences of the increased unemployment benefits that everybody struggled with. And we had supply chain issues and that just gets us to April. So when you, you know, coupled with the way that we did well, what did you, what do you think were the biggest challenges over the entire pandemic that that urgent care had to face. Well, you know, you mentioned some interesting things, right? The challenges that might have been behind the scenes that nobody saw. You know, PPE, let's just talk about that. Almost overnight, you went from a, a medical practice that had PPE used in appropriate settings to a medical practice that needed complete PPE head to toe 
if you were going to interact with anybody. And we found that P, that uh, PPE became something that was earmarked for large hospital systems, emergency rooms, even states, but urgent care was left out of that. Many of our suppliers did not put urgent care at the front of the line or even make PPE available to us. So we struggled as an industry to beg, borrow, and steal PPE, if you will, anywhere we could get it. Um, and many times paying exorbitant rates and basically being extorted by medical suppliers just to get what we needed to take care of our patients. Um, and I think we've come through that. We, we figured out how to get on people's radar and become recognized. And so PPE isn't as big an issue today as it was, but it's still a lingering issue. Think about the other challenges we had. Overnight, we had to figure out how to protect our own employees and protect our patients while still trying to provide hands-on care. Think of all the plexiglass we see all over the place, online registrations, registration and, and screening and triage in parking lots, uh, drive-through testing and evaluations. So just so many challenges behind the scenes on how to figure out how to protect our employees, protect our patients, practice medicine in a new safe way, and, and do it while not necessarily being recognized by everybody as a key part of the healthcare ecosystem. Coming out of the pandemic, I think we are recognized as a key part of the healthcare ecosystem, but that wasn't the case at the beginning. Yeah, let's talk about that a little more um, because I know that was something that we, you know, at UCA spent a lot of time fighting, and so did Naruka, and you know that we weren't already integrated to emergency response plans and and those kinds of things. Talk about that a little bit. How you saw that continuum from the beginning of the pandemic to where we are now. Well, you know, I'll start with today and work backwards. As you know very well, and many of our urgent care uh, operators may or may not know, uh, urgent care was included in most states' response plans to rolling out immunizations. You know, that's at the end of the pandemic. And I think that's a huge win for urgent care to be included in the you know, vaccine rollout programs and to be part of the solution. But at the beginning of the pandemic, many of these health departments and states didn't consider urgent care at all, not when it came to providing care to patients who needed it in a time of need. Um, they didn't consider us in testing in the very beginning. Um, many of our members were very successful at connecting with their states, providing um, drive-through testing sites, pop-up testing sites, and providing ways for people to get tested throughout the community. And we're very successful, but that took a lot of work. Now part of the immunization rollout plans and we've seen a lot of lobby efforts come up. Small groups come together, um, lobbying our, our, our local state governments to be part of the solution. And, um, you know, that solved all kinds of things from PPE to uh, reimbursement by commercial payers, part of the immunization rollout and so forth. So, you know, kind of an all over the place answer, but we really are in a better place today than when we went in. And it took a whole lot of fighting and a whole lot of hard work and effort by our urgent care operators all over the country to make that happen. I think that for the longest time, you know, we understood our role in the continuum of healthcare and all the things that we were capable of, but a lot of the rest of healthcare didn't. And this was a great opportunity for just education that I think really opened the eyes. And, and in some ways, you know, particularly with the federal groups we talked to, delighted them of you mean you guys operate this way and you're ready to stand this up and you can do this that quickly for us to be able to say yes. Yes, we can was was really refreshing and I think advanced urgent care in a tremendous way that we wouldn't have had the opportunity to do otherwise. So we are just so indebted to all of those 
members that responded, you know, in a way that was natural for them that we were able to then leverage in those federal level discussions. So we've talked about how great urgent care has been throughout this and how challenging that really was when you, when you, you know, lift up the hood and, and look underneath to what that took. The question for me then kind of goes to why certain portions of our industry were able to jump in and be nimble and be successful through such a challenging time. And not all of our centers were. And, you know, the challenges were complex and they kept coming and they kept coming and new things were coming and uncertainty was always there. And some centers really managed to actually excel through this and not just survive. So I know you talk to people all over the country. As you've watched this unfold and and watched everyone struggle with it, what's been the standout for you as far as the differences between those centers that were able to excel and those that really struggled? I think two things come to mind. You know, first, necessity is the mother of invention. And, you know, so many urgent cares around the country um, didn't have a choice but to evolve and to change or they were going to die, right? Patient volume dried up, as you said, almost overnight. And, you know, so many urgent cares have leases to pay and employees to pay and overhead and obligations. And that's a big motivator when all of a sudden you, you are really worried about whether or not you're going to be able to cover all the bills and stay alive. And I think, you know, secondly, those that were bold, that really took the tack that, well, we, you know, we have everything to lose if we don't take action. Those that were bold um, really were able to uh, remake themselves quickly and take advantage of some of these things. Jumping into telemedicine when it was suddenly um, announced that urgent care would be reimbursed for telemedicine and there was an access challenge. That was a bold move. And some were able to do that within days. Taking healthcare out of your physical four-wall plant and taking it into a parking lot right? Who would have thought we ever would have been doing that, but figuring out how to register and triage and treat patients and swab and test patient from their cars or in tents. Those that were bold and gave it a try and figured it out uh, were successful. Those that decided that they had no choice but to jump into testing because of the large community need for testing were very successful. Um, Those that jumped in and, and are rolling the dice with immunization stations and being part of that immunization rollout and being part of the community. So I think, you know, those that were bold, those that felt that I have no choice but to be creative to survive, um, I think those were some of the key aspects that drove some organizations to jump in, to remake themselves, to charge ahead, and ultimately very, very successful. On the flip side of that coin, there are many operators that just took a real, you know, a, a slow tack, you know, let's wait and see mentality. And um, some of them have done okay. Some of them are really struggling. And I think the reality is COVID has thrown urgent care and many other healthcare uh, providers um, for a loop. We're not going to come out of this the same way we went in. Things are not going to go back to the way they used to be. You know, that, that in many ways is a good thing. And you and I have talked about that, you know, uh, what will urgent care be in the future? And I think it's different than it was going into the pandemic. Do you think that that was the choices that were made were part of the already built-in culture of the leadership or the center. I mean, we've talked about one of the hallmarks of urgent care is going where the need is in a way, you know, you can call it following the market or what have you, that that nimbleness that you referred to at the beginning is part of, of who we are and how we do what we do balanced with, you know, our, our deep need to, obviously do 
proper medical care and the conservatism that comes along with that. It's kind of an interesting mix. And so I'm wondering, do you think the the boldness that the the bold ones showed was really already part of of who they are? I guess I'm asking, you know, you talked about really those two motivations. Yeah, and, and maybe it just ties to the bold ones went because they chose to go versus the conservative ones who went because they felt like they had to go. I do think it's part of urgent care's DNA, inherent DNA. You know, urgent care has been by and large a scrappy industry. We have been fighting to eke out a a living and a good business in urgent care for many, many years. You know, some communities really resisted urgent care. So urgent care operators have been scrappy by nature and have been, you know, fighting hard for many years. Said differently, urgent care has always had a great track record of meeting patients where they are and in a way patients wanted to be treated. We've always had a, a, a very good focus on what the patient wants, whether that's you know high quality service and outcomes, whether that's quick in and out service, whether that's a friendly environment, whether it's the use of technology in new ways. Urgent care has always been working hard, in my view, to meet the patients where they are and COVID was yet another example of patients in America needing access to healthcare that couldn't find it, and they needed it in a new way. And many urgent care operators, because it's already part of their DNA, just jumped at the opportunity and, and went after it. And all of those things we talked about, telehealth, testing, remote, do, taking care of patients in parking lots, virtual waiting rooms, just so many of the things that came out in the last eight or nine months. I just think it's part of our DNA. And uh, we met the patients where they were. So we're kind of facing the same question with vaccination. Do we jump into semi-unknown territory or stay out? What do you see as the major factors in that decision? Well, you know, one of the big challenges is being part of the healthcare ecosystem. What is our obligation to the communities that we serve? Immunizations is a need all across America. And, and if you're watching the news at all right now, people are wondering, where can I get the vaccine? When can I get the vaccine? When is it going to come to me? And urgent care, I think, in many of our communities has proven that we're a key access point in those communities. The other part is, if you just look at this from dollars and cents, immunizations aren't going to make anybody rich in urgent care. It, it, at best, it's going to barely cover our costs and expenses. And so that's always been a challenge for a private operator. How do you offer services and ensure that you can cover your expenses and maybe make a little bit of profit? And immunizations is a tough one because it really is something that is driven by a social need. And I think that being on the forefront and urgent care having accomplished so much in the last year, I think it is something that we really need to consider in doing our part in getting immunizations into the communities. And I'm not, I don't think anybody wants to convert their urgent cares over to full immunization sites. We still have sick patients to take care of and our employer contracts to take care of and testing that needs to be done and, and all of those things. But I, I do think that uh, you know immunizations brings up that question. Can you work it into your practice? Should it be something that you're offering to your community? And, and in many cases, if, if urgent care can do a good job with immunization, it helps cement the fact that we are part of the, the healthcare fabric in our communities. You just brought up a really good point. I think it's important that our listeners understand that participating in vaccines doesn't necessarily mean dedicating your centers to doing that all day, every day. Based on what we're seeing with the rollout, 
any help is good help for your state at this point. So if you look at this and think you can only do it 25% of the time, then you can probably do it that way and still be a viable part of the solution. Really based on what you're seeing with your discussions in Department of Departments of Health across the Northeast, do you think that's a viable way for some of the more conservative operators to think about participating? Yeah, that's a very good point. And I do, you know, to be at the table, to be elbow to elbow with your State Department of Health and your regulators as they're trying to solve uh, an immunization challenge in their state, I think is a good thing. And, you know, it, it really, again, helps cement the fact that urgent care is on the map. Urgent care in many cases, in many of these communities, was the only access point for healthcare for many months during the pandemic, when primary care offices closed and pediatricians and, you know, uh, access points basically dried up. Urgent care was there. So I do think that figuring out a way to dedicate some of your resources to participate and support not only your community, but your state uh, is very important and it will help urgent care in the long run. It's not without its challenges. There are a lot of reporting requirements and you know, there's all of the cold chain handling and all of the paperwork and things like that. It can be onerous, but if you do it in a moderated way, in a purposeful way, I think we can all do our part, lend our hand and really be on the map in our states. Yeah, you don't have to be all in to be part of the solution. And I think that's important for people to remember is, right. you know, we start to have negative fantasies about what this could look like, um, particularly as testing is probably going to start to go down. So it, it helps us not have to worry about setting up two separate work streams and how do we manage all of that. And there's an optimism there that's important that there are ways to be part of the solution. So for my last question, as you think about what post-COVID looks like for urgent care, are you bullish or bearish and why? Well, I'm bullish. And uh, I'll go back to some, some simple math, at least from my perspective, simple math. Tens of thousands of people have visited urgent cares in these communities that have never experienced urgent care before. And what an opportunity. In this day and age, it's hard to think of anybody who doesn't know what urgent care is or why you should use it. But believe it or not, during this pandemic, people were showing up in droves to urgent care saying, wow, I didn't know what you were. I didn't know what you did. And urgent care was able to step up and provide the episodic care that people needed, provide testing that they needed, um, return to work as they needed. Urgent cares provided on-site workplace solutions during this pandemic. Now, many urgent cares are offering immuniz immunizations and maybe even part of the immunotherapies going forward. So I'm very bullish. People have been exposed to urgent care. We've been elevated in the eyes of, of our patients, in the eyes of regulators. I think we're on the map as being a solid part of the healthcare fabric of our communities now. And so I'm very bullish. As people move into the future, I think they're going to consider urgent care more so than they have in the past. Another thing that I'm bullish about is urgent care seems to move very quickly and adopt the newest technologies much faster than the rest of the healthcare ecosystem. So things like online registrations, appointment booking, virtual waiting rooms, you know, online reporting of, of testing results and all of those types of things, urgent care is doing a really good job there. And, and the communities and the patients are looking for that. So I, I'm bullish. If we continue to stay nimble, follow the patients, where they go, fill their needs. I think urgent care has got a great future. I couldn't agree more. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. I think your perspective is very informative for everyone and helps us remember 
in a way who we are and that there are lots of options for how to approach this in their own states. But the opportunity that we have with all of this should absolutely not be wasted. And so even if you weren't bold the first time around, it's probably time to try. Thanks. Have a great day. Well, you're so welcome. I appreciate you having me today. You've been listening to UCA's Urgent Care Leadership Podcast. Let's keep raising the bar on each other, and I'll see you next time.